The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. It's usually the psychological barriers that are holding you back that lead you to procrastinate. By the time that y'all are listening to this, I will most likely have submitted my first manuscript, which is rough draft. Plow through it, like muster all the courage and just confidence that you can and get through that phase because after that phase you will enter a state of flow and you will continue to be in that flow and in that flow your most productive work is going to materialize. Hello. Hi. Hey guys, it's your host, Dasam Lee, and I'm here with another episode of Before We Make It. Woof. So sad because I am missing Emma today. We are doing back-to-back solo episodes, bringing it back to topics that are extremely personal to us individually. And I'm so excited for y'all to hear Emma next week. But today I am bringing you a very personal ep, and I'm so excited to dive right in because I have done some learning these past few months and I have a lot to say, but I have missed y'all. I am currently in Munich, Germany, and I'll be returning to the US in a few days, probably by the time that you're listening to this episode. I'm here with Amelie, who is a fan of the podcast. She listens and it's like warms my heart so much. (laughs) But anyway, guys, let's get into Truly Obsessed. So recently, I've really been into chai lattes. They're kind of hard to find in Europe, but I have just been obsessed with them because I think the hint of cinnamon and the tea, because if y'all don't know, I gave up coffee like last December and I very rarely drink it now. And it honestly makes me feel so much better. I know, Emma, if you're listening, you're like espresso fanatic. So (laughs) sorry, but the chai lattes are a great substitute. And I have been really enjoying it because it just tastes like autumn. It tastes like fall in a drink. I like to have extra cinnamon on top. And it's a great just warm drink, you know, and also Crest 3D white strips. These are amazing. I've always been using them. But recently, I brought like a whole pack of them to Europe. And I've just been using them at night. And it just boosts my confidence. I don't know if y'all are looking to whiten your teeth. This is an affordable option. It kind of acts like a stain remover. And you just put it on for 30 minutes. And it's super easy. So I love it. And also, Adele's new song, like Easy On Me, it is amazing. When I first listened to it, I wanted to cry because one, I've been an OG Adele fan forever. I love her. I've missed her. And also she got so raw and personal in this song. And it just made me feel like I resonated with it. Like it really just struck me at its core because she was talking about, you know, like her husband going easy on her because she grew up too fast and didn't have the freedom to make her own decisions. And also like I saw it from the perspective of we're sometimes our harshest critics and And a lot of us are very hard on ourselves, including myself. And sometimes we need to go easy on ourselves. And I really love the vibe of the song and how she related it to like the California gold rush. And it was just beautiful. And then she did like 70 questions on Vogue. And she said that she is releasing, you know, her new album and it's the most personal out of all of them. So I'm so hype for the new album. So excited. And last but not least, my white Kindle. I've been loving it. I've been trying to get back into reading and it's really nice for on the go. And also like the white color. It's just an aesthetic, you know, like I want to have all white furniture when I move into New York and I'm so excited for all of that. So with that, we'll get into the topic for today. So guys, as you could tell by the title, I'm doing an episode on what I've learned from writing my book slash first novel. And it's crazy because it's been a long time coming. Like I'm going to 
discuss more of the background of me as a writer, why this is like a burning passion of mine and why I have to do it before I start my full-time job, etc. But I'm also going to discuss a lot of what I've learned, you know, the context of how I'm writing my book and what exactly the timeline looks like for those of you that are aspiring authors out there. And also some lessons on concentration, inspiration, and just being kind to yourself at the end of the day, especially with a personal project that you feel like is a piece of your essence. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard to separate that and its performance or perception by others from your value and self-worth. So yeah, guys, let's get into it. First of all, why am I on this journey? (laughs) This is a question that is like the easiest to answer because I've always been a reader and I think I found solace in books for such a long period of my life when I was younger especially being an immigrant in the United States and just being a foreigner and not belonging and feeling very lost in the younger stages of my life. I use books as a form of escapism. I loved reading science fiction, especially like dystopian society. You know, it started with like Magic Treehouse, Judy B. Jones, and evolved into, you know, all the very basic like Hunger Games, you know, Divergent, Matched, all of those, uh, Harry Potter. And then I read a million different, more underrated books in sci-fi and also just romance, contemporary fiction. And I've always just been a fiction reader. And there's a part of me that has been so absorbed in the characters and the plot lines of books that I would get so attached to them that literally like one of my biggest wishes as a kid was to experience a novel that would just never end. <laughs> like I wanted to read a book that just never, ever ended because I was so into it every time. I would literally have dreams at the end of uh, the night that I was in the character's shoes and I was going through the character's life in the novel, but in my head. And I have dreams that I was that character. Like I was so immersed into it. And I always learn something at the end of the day, you know, if there's a hero's journey involved, then at the end, there's a victory, there's a triumph, there's some sort of lesson. And I felt like I aged multiple lives through these books. And there was a part of me that just wanted to create my own and really find my own way of expressing myself in these very intimate and eloquent manners. But yeah, so why I initially wanted to escape the noise of my life in a sense, I mean, as complex as it could be as a kindergartner to, you know, early high school, which is the period of my life that I read and wrote the most. And I would literally create lists of like words that I just loved because it just tasted nice on my tongue. And I was just like, oh, this is fun. But anyway, I initially wrote poems actually starting in like fifth grade to eighth grade to really express like deeper emotions like my first crush and feeling nostalgic when summer break came through and belonging and friendship and I wrote a lot of poems like a lot of love poems it was insane like I was a little boy crazy (laughs) and then I wrote short stories and like short novels etc in a way to kind of express like my frustration in my current life or whatever and find myself either through like a science fiction-y like royalty story or maybe some something science fiction related. Like I was like, I had superpowers or something and there was always a romantic interest and whatever. So yeah, I think writing has been a source of me just like expressing myself and specifically like my beliefs, my life lessons, my values, all of that. It really comes out in the characters and I really wanted to write a coming of age story at this point in my life, like literally before we make it. I mean, we're never gonna make it, but I graduated college and I was like, I'm ready to put 
put everything that I've learned into a novel and specifically contemporary fiction because one, it's easier than sci-fi, like creating an entirely new world with new methods of transportation and names for things. Like what would you call a car? Like it wouldn't be a car in a hundred years, you know, like it was just I don't know, I needed to start simple. So I chose the setting of New York City. I was going to do romance, contemporary, modern, you know, young adult, but later into the young adult age. And that's what exactly what I'm doing. And there's a lot of common themes in my book that I think I have felt strongly about. And some of these include liberation, nostalgia, gratitude, acceptance, love and serendipity. And I think right now, especially at 22, I'm still young, but I've also lived a lot, right? And these experiences have molded me into who I am. And it's made me want to write a novel about maybe someone that was a younger version of myself, you know, less complete, less sure of herself, more kind of tackling these big larger than life concepts for the first time on what is the meaning of everything and under unpacking dynamics and the way they are and the psychology behind relationships and ourselves like all of that. I wanted to unpack that in a in a book and a story is something that has always intrigued me because it teaches you lessons inadvertently, like indirectly, like you are evolving with the character. It's like real life transformation and real life change happening. And I think that's something that's so powerful, like the fact that writing can put you into someone else's lens and literally help you feel their emotions and feel their light bulb epiphanies as they occur. I think that's so unique. Like films are not as immersive. So so yeah, I really wanted to sit down. I felt like I was ready. I had some time off and I was like, this is something I have to do. It's like a dream of mine. It's a goal of mine. And every time I write, I find more clarity on myself and I become more observant of the world of relationships in my life, the ones that enrich me the most. And it really grows me. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. But I will say one thing I've learned is that your writing is only as good as your life experiences. There's actually a really good quote by Henry David Thoreau, and he says, how vain it is to sit down to write when you have not stood up to live. So it's interesting because I always wanted to write a book, even when I was really, really young. But I realized that now I waited for a good amount of time because I needed to have experiences and take risks and challenges in my life and really see who I was going to become at the end of something scary and a mountainous climb, you know? So I think really understanding your experiences and having lived enough. I mean, I haven't lived nearly enough as I think I will, but I just think there is a point in your life where you know you've gone through something. There's a story in your heart. There's something you want to share with the world and it's like bubbling out of you and you think it's valuable. So that's kind of a point where I was at and I think that's when you know you're ready because you don't want to write for the purpose of writing. You want to write for the purpose of discovery, of effective communication and extraction of value from yourself and your life for others or your observances. And that could also be from your imagination. You know, if you let your imagination run wild and let your mind wander, wander and brainstorm these creative stories and thoughts, then I think in a way that's also standing up to live and standing up to breathe creativity into yourself and into your soul and exhale it out when a lot of people get caught up in like the busyness of life, you know, and don't take that time. So hopefully that makes sense. But let me get into the context. So how am I actually doing this? How am I publishing my first novel? Well, I actually was so lucky 
I got back from South America. I graduated in May and then I was traveling with my boyfriend for a little bit. I got back and I was actually uh, stumbled upon a post by my good friend, Joseph Schmidt. He went to the same high school as me and he basically uh, was going to publish his science fiction novel at the end of this year or something. And I was so intrigued and I reached out to him and I was like, Joseph, this is so cool. How are you doing it? And he basically told me that he got into this program. It's called the Book Creators Program, I believe by the Creator Institute. And it's programmed by a Georgetown University professor. And I think it's also partially funded by Georgetown University. And this guy, Eric Custer, he created the program with this mission, this vision of creating like 10,000 authors or something. And he basically helps you go from idea to first draft to publication. And it's a program that also teaches you through like courses on how to write a book with published authors and pairs you up with a developmental editor, then an acquiring editor that helps you with the revisions and also with a publication team that'll help you market your book and really get those sales numbers up. So in the end, you don't even have to pay much. You just get uh, somewhat self-financed through the initial sales, the pre-sales that you do during your campaign. And it's really amazing because the costs are very uh, minimal because you only pay for like the editor fees and you have a community around you and you really have so much accountability and it's a huge commitment. Like I joined this program in July. My book is going to be published in April of 2022. And it's a huge commitment. It's a long time. And I realized that writing a book is no joke. Like it is truly so strenuous. It's challenging. And it's one of the hardest things that I've ever had to follow through with. Because actually 2% of people that start books actually finish them. And it's really because of the accountability aspect and the fact that it takes a lot not only to finish a book, but to actually get it to publishing and find a publisher that will back you and then actually get sales out of it so that your hard work is having a return on your investment of time. So yeah, it's quite interesting, but that's what I'm going through right now. And it's I'm in a very lucky, highly privileged situation, I think. I'm very grateful. And uh, this program does open applications like every couple of months. I think there's like every semester program. So let me know if you're interested. DM me on Instagram and I'd love to tell you more. But yeah, this is the context of where I'm at. And by the time that y'all are listening to this, I will most likely have submitted my first first manuscript, which is rough draft. So my first manuscript, which is minimum 25,000 words, it's probably going to be around 35 to 40,000 words. This draft is going to be submitted to my acquiring editor who's helps me through revisions and obviously the rest of the publication team. And then I will sign my publication contract and go into a time where I'm just waiting for feedback on the entirety of my novel and then specifics and then we'll go into revisions. And then actually my pre-sale campaign launches end of November. It'll be like 30 days. And then people that purchase my book will actually get like insight into content and will eventually become like beta readers that will have like real life feedback for me. And then I'll use that to better the book and then it'll publish uh, next year. So yeah, it's crazy. But that is the timeline. And for anyone that's interested in the nitty gritty like I am, and like to see it visually from like a timeline and a series of steps and a process, I totally get you. That's why I'm here. I'm doing this. But That is the how. And then I want to get into some lessons. Like, what have I learned in this process? Because it sounds so easy, right? Like you have the resources, you have the idea, you have a story in your heart. And that's a point that I really want to emphasize. Like, I think that we all want to accomplish something by writing a book, if you're interested in that. Like you want to become a thought leader in your space. You want to become someone that is extremely expressive and emotionally eloquent. And you want to break into an industry, whether that's contemporary romance or science fiction, or you're just, your imagination runs wild and you think this story or concept in your head 
head would be interesting for others. There's all these things. Uh, some authors in my program want their books to become TV shows or movies, or they want to be recognized as an author and get onto podcasts and shows and all that stuff. And I think that's incredible. I think a book is a great resounding platform for yourself and your brand and what you stand for and what value you bring to others. But I will say, I think every single one of us has a story in us and has a purpose in us. And sometimes it's communicated through poetry, through essays, through a memoir, which is kind of like an autobiography of your life, or sometimes even through fiction, a self-help book, something that's actually nonfiction and research-based, whatever. It's communicated through different forums, I guess, but the passion is there. And I think it's unquenchable if it's really inside of you and it's like consuming your thoughts and you've just always had this vision of writing this book, right? Because for me, I've pivoted my book quite a few times, like the actual plot line, what is going to happen, the characters, like the setting, kind of like the genre and the vibe of the book, I pivoted it. But the essence of the book and like the purpose of what lessons I'm trying to communicate has remained the same. And I think that's a very interesting point because there's actually a really good quote. I feel like Emma, like naming all the quotes today, by Franz Kafka. It's F-A-R-N-Z-K-F-K-A. And he said, don't bend, don't water it down, don't try to make it logical, don't edit your own soul according to the fashion. Rather, follow your most intense obsessions mercilessly. And I think that was so cool. He did write it about writing and it is something that is like takes merciless turmoil on yourself because you want to get the words out. You have a vision for, you know, the emotions that you want to tug out of people, your readers. And then sometimes it doesn't work out that way or you're confused on what you're trying to communicate, which happens to me. But at the end of the day, hold steadfast to that story in your heart. And I think that's very, very important because the context packaging of it in a sense of how it's going to be written, it's going to change, it's going to evolve, it's going to become more interesting and maybe, you know, more balanced, whatever. I mean, you're working with a developmental editor, most likely as you develop something that is readable and that is an actual story. And there's actually only a select number of storylines that every book follows. And that is something I could get into on another episode if y'all really want to know more about uh, writing technicalities and methodologies. But it really comes down to what are you passionate about, right? And the biggest thing is that you really want to be kind to yourself which is funny because you are writing a book for fun, most likely. And obviously, like you have high expectations for yourself, especially if you're a perfectionist. But I don't mean it like that. I mean, when you're writing fiction, especially, I'm learning so much how like our inner monologue affects us and how it's such a big indicator and force, I guess, for the actions that we end up taking and the end result of our lives, basically, and like events in our lives, phases in our lives, etc. So that inner monologue, like really understand it and dissect it and be kind to yourself because great books are not always written perfectly the first time. Actually, I don't think any of them are. They're rewritten, as in they're going to go through drafts, revisions, they're going to go through evolutions. And if you're not kind to yourself about the work that you're doing, then you're not giving yourself the outlet and the space of freedom to basically thrive in your creativity. Because 
for me, like I have to let my mind wander. I have to take a pause and go for a walk or observe things in my real life and write down moments of inspiration or whatever for creativity to kick in and for me to write something that's really like interesting and actually deep and concrete, you know? Because if I force myself to write, then it's not going to work out. And I think if you're type A and you're trying to be an author, like it's easy to get caught up in the word count and all of that. But this program especially has taught me that that's not how it works. And again, that monologue is such a vital component of what you attract, the energy you attract for yourself and for the output of your book or any creative project for that matter. So yeah, and comparison obviously is a thief of joy. We've talked about this like incessantly on the podcast, but specifically with creativity, like you are an original person. Yes, imitation is the best form of flattery and you are going to be inspired by countless authors before you. And that's amazing because what's done masterfully should be repeated, should be adopted. But at the end of the day, no one is going to write a book exactly like you. Like that is truly impossible. And you should take pride in the fact that no one is going to do it like you. So really allow whatever you feel is authentic to you content wise to come out. And then you could revise it later. You could make it smarter and tweak it later, but truly understand that the raw draft of your book should be something that is from your core, that is your original voice and that you're proud of simply because it's you. It's your essence in written form. So that is a huge thing I've learned. And also flow. Flow is a big thing. Like flow, if y'all don't know, is kind of that state of mind and presence where you're so concentrated and you're absolutely zoned into what you're doing, specifically your work usually. And you're very productive and you're just going you're flying through it. There's no barriers. But the thing is like flow is really hard to get into and writing takes so much brain power that you really need to get into a place of flow. And what I realized is that my boyfriend actually showed me a diagram of how you actually get into flow. And initially there's a period of pain, of intense pain. And it's because that's when you're most likely to get distracted. You're most likely to be wavering in your self-confidence and your self-esteem. And you're basically very vulnerable to breaking that state of focus and simply procrastinating by doing something productive like cleaning or, you know, trying to be inspired unnecessarily instead of just getting it out, you know, when it's in you and you're ready. And I think it's really, really important to understand how flow works. Like when you're, whenever you're trying to sit down, accomplish a difficult task, especially a creative one that requires brainstorming to execute it, you're going to have a period of intense, just distractibility and intense like aversion to what you need to do. So you really need to realize and expect that and get through it, like plow through it, like muster all the courage and just confidence that you can and get through that phase because after that phase you will enter a state of flow and you will continue to be in that flow and in that flow your most productive work is going to materialize but for me I found myself constantly getting distracted right before I enter flow and then I start from the very beginning and I have to go through all the pain again the mental pain the physical like the actual like blank page staring at me and psyching me out whatever so I think it's super important to master flow if you're going to do anything that requires so much mental energy like this and realize that you're defeating psychological barriers most of the time. Like it's not really that you don't have enough time or you're so busy or you're stressed out because of X, Y, and Z. It's usually the psychological barriers that are holding you back that lead you to procrastinate. And it's usually something revolving around doubt. So maybe you're doubtful of the story, of its value to others, of your skill sets, I guess like your tangible exceptionality in comparison to others and how you actually perform. Like, is it even good? Like, do I even have it in me? Like the actual ability to make something readable, you know? All of that is gonna happen, but just expect it. 
like expect it and be proactive about overcoming it because a lot of people that's why 2% of people that start books finish them. A lot of people get so caught up in the distraction phase that they never make it to flow and then eventually they give up. And giving up is truly not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens over repeated, repeated failure and repeated failure through many, many attempts. And I think it gets super discouraging when you have all these attempts, but you never actually make progress. And for me, at the beginning of my writing phase, that's exactly what it was. It was constantly sitting down in front of my laptop, trying to jog some inspiration by reading or I don't know, listening to something and then trying to write and didn't work because I was scared and I could not get over that initial hump of procrastination and just like feeling defeated because obviously like there's a learning curve to anything, but especially anything creative, like there's going to be that initial phase of I don't know anything. I'm in a valley of despair and this is never going to work. But then if you overcome it, then you get to a place of like peace. You know, not because it's perfect, like not because what you're writing or what you're doing is actually amazing from the beginning, but because it's you and because you're putting yourself out there in a tangible manner, and eventually it will be revised to something perfectionistic, you know, for you in your own original way and interpretation, you know? So yeah. And you know, the one of the last things I want to discuss is truly pull inspiration from everything, like everything, because especially as a fictional author, like there's so much power in your observances. Like think about this. If you're writing a fictional scene, you are literally describing someone like gazing at you to mean something, the tone of their voice and the way that their mannerisms portray discomfort or excitement. And you're also really analyzing even like the metaphorical environment around them and how the sun rising kind of can be a symbol of their life taking a turn for the better, you know, like there's just so much symbolism and meaning in everything that you write, especially if you're an intentional writer and you want to incorporate foreshadowing or anything that is like metaphorical in your novel, it's going to require a lot of observing in your everyday life and kind of reading in between the lines into the simplest of interactions and simplest of the most ordinary and mundane of happenings, you know, of occurrences, of phenomenons, I guess. And so inspiration could come from everywhere. And it is something that is so fascinating to me because whenever I can't write or I'm trying to describe something, but I can't see it in my head, then I just go out and try to observe it or I Google it or I watch a video on it or something. Like for example, there's a scene in my book where she's in the subway and I actually wrote the scene like in the subway because I was observing people and seeing how, wow, they're like rolling their necks or like startled when they notice I'm staring at them or whatever. And then it made me think like, wow, I'm such a people watcher. And then I was like, wow, it's kind of a worthy distraction. Like it's something that that I do when I want to escape from my own personal stress and just focus on what others are doing because people watching is fun, right? And then it becomes something deeper and more meaningful and then you could incorporate it into your novel and it's something that came from an actual observance in my real life. So yeah, I think it's just something that you need to incorporate into your everyday life um, if you want to become like a fictional author and truly realize that inspiration does not have to be a moment of genius. It does not have to be a lightning bolt hitting you and then you're suddenly like overwhelmed with this sense of passion and like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. It could simply be a series of little bursts, you know, that really make you realize something or feel a specific emotion that really tugs at you and you want to share that and express it, you know? And actually your relationships, it's actually really does come from analyzing your relationships as well. 
not in like an overthinking way, but in a beautiful dynamic way. For example, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, N-I-E-T-Z-S-C-H-E, I'm really nailing the pronunciations today, uh, wrote, a good writer possesses not only his own spirit, but also the spirit of his friends. So you're going to write from different perspectives. And this is something that really cultivates empathy. And I love that because I get to put myself into other people's shoes and really think about, wow, like if I had this personality, like I'm writing from an introverted personality type, then how would I feel? And it's honestly so fun. Like being a fictional author is like so, so fun. But yeah, really understand others, understand yourself most of all, and realize that people are so interesting, like in all of their different quirkiness and normalities and different assumptions they have about the world around them. And I think pulling inspiration from your current life and those people is a great starting point. And also never feel like there is a lack of inspiration in your life or there's no longer a source for it because it is to be found. You just need to go looking for it. So yeah. And actually, Ayn Rand says words are a lens to focus one's mind. And I've actually been keeping a a list of quotes that inspire me because I think when you're writing, it is easy to get discouraged. (laughs) That is huge, as y'all know. So I'm here to say that you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And yeah, I've just learned a lot about the fact that there is so much to be observed and learned from in your own life. And writing about it, especially like um, a realistic novel, in a contemporary setting is so interesting. But anyway, guys, don't be hard on yourself. Like everyone has their own timeline. But if you are doing a creative project, never compare yourself to others, really stand firm in your own creativity and do your best to create something that is meaningful to a younger version of yourself. Because I always try to think about what would younger Dasam like get from this book and like how would she react to it? And if it's something that resonates with her and like makes her feel something, then it's totally worth it. So yeah, that's That is kind of my spiel and I'm going to finish off with an endearing awkward story (laughs) because this is quite funny and I want to break the ice a little bit and discuss something quite embarrassing and I'm actually going to tell you a story from when I was in Europe like a year and a half ago in Barcelona. I was studying abroad and this is kind of a really funny story because it is something that I considered like putting in my novel because it's just like so funny. But anyway, so I was in Barcelona one day and I was a student, I was studying and basically like I was super exhausted for this morning class because I've been out last night. And if y'all know, Barcelona is like nightlife popping, like it's like clubbing culture. It's like so fun. But basically, sometimes you can't overdo it. So the next day I was like really sleep deprived and was basically like, oh my gosh, I have to get to class. And so I got to class and um, I actually had this guy in the class that had asked me out like on a date or something, like a day before or something. And I was supposed to be presenting that day. And so I was super tired. I was really out of it. And I honestly just went up there to present and it was fine. And I was up there and I was presenting and I was like, wow, this guy that asked me out on a date, like he must really like me because he's really staring at me right now. And like, he's like, really concentrating on what I'm having to say. And he just like was smiling, you know, and I thought, oh, like he's smiling because he likes me and I'm doing so good, whatever. I'm like a great presenter. 
And basically I was like, so proud of myself. And then at the end of the presentation, I get off the stage and I'm like, you know, done with the presentation. The whole class passes by. And then at the end of the class, he literally comes up to me and he's like, hey, like your presentation was great. And I was like, thank you. And then he looks like he looks at my shirt and he's like, oh, but did you notice this? And I look down and I see this like huge stain on my shirt. I'm wearing like a white sweater and there's like this huge stain. Honestly, I I couldn't tell you what it was, but it was weird. It was murky. It kind of looked like coffee or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Like this whole time I had a huge stain on my white sweater and I just did not notice because I literally was just like out of it that morning. And it was just embarrassing. I was like, oh my gosh, like I did a whole presentation with this stain on me. And yeah, it was just embarrassing, especially because this was like an interactive presentation. Like I was going into the class like I guess like the audience section and like handing them samples of things and it was just a uh, a fiasco and so then he starts laughing at me and I'm like super beat red and then he's like talking about our date and stuff and it was whatever but yeah it ended up working out <laughs> um and I don't think anyone really cared that much except for me because I hate when you like figure something like that out later but yeah guys that's my embarrassing endearing awkward story of the day I feel like stains spilling um any like wearing your shirt accidentally backwards or like even having your fly open, like any of those things are so awkward and it's so embarrassing, especially if you're oblivious, like I'm usually am. But anyway, thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. Have a great rest of your Thursday, whatever day you're listening. And seriously, come back next week for Emma's episode. It's going to be phenomenal. I already know it. She honestly thrives like way better than me on solo apps. And I'm so excited to hear it. But guys, follow us on App Before We Make It on Instagram. Write us a podcast review if you're so willing on Apple Podcasts. Seriously, share this on Instagram with your friends, family, etc. And yeah, guys, I will see you in a few weeks when I'm back with Emma. Have a great rest of your day and subscribe to our weekly newsletter link in bio on the app before we make it. It's so cute. We have affirmation hour on there, a couple truly obsessed and recap of our recent app. So shout out to Michelle, our amazing graphic designer for doing that every week. We love y'all. Have a great day. Bye.